Welcome to part two of our discussion with Gavin Spitzner of Wealth Consulting Partners. To recap part one, we covered topics like the difference between effectiveness and efficiency, the emerging requirement for hyper-personalization within advice experiences, how a values-based proposition is just good business, the impact of repeatable process and effective data flow on business valuations, and we began to unpack how a differentiated proposition will not only have impact on attracting new clients, but also diverse talent to the industry. Part two covers a ton more of great insights. So let's take you right back into our conversation. You're about to join mid-conversation where we're unpacking the impact of a differentiated proposition on the diversity of the industry. Enjoy. That can only be a good thing, not only for our industry, but for the broader population. I know, you know, that the stats in Australia, and I'm not sure of them in the US, but, you know, only one in five uh, Australians sort of engage with an advisor here. And yep, it's about the same. Yeah, it's about the same, right? So you, yep. you can't help but think that our lack of diversity in the population um, doesn't help that. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on, on, on that. Um, that impact that a more diverse population might have within the US, right? So if we had a more diverse um, advisor force, what impact would you see based on the work that you do? Dramatic. Again, it, it's not just altruistically the right thing. It's good business. There's plenty of studies that show clients... Um, well, I guess a couple camps. There's clients that want to work with advisors that they can relate to on a more personal level. Um, right now, there's a, you know, just a chasm between what the consumer base looks like and what our, what our advisor base looks like. Um, there's also a lot of, of research that shows people want to work with a diverse team. Um, I can't remember who did this study, but it has stuck with me. It was probably, it was definitely pre-COVID, so I'm going to say four or five years ago, that showed uh, by far, people preferred a a diverse team, male, female, other other areas of diversity, working with them versus an individual, male or female or or basically anybody. They like having a team um, engagement, and there's all kinds of benefits for that from a succession planning standpoint, um, and just you know having people on the team that add expertise, whether that's on different subject matter, you know, tax, estate planning, um, business planning, down to technology and the ability to help clients effectively use the technology. So I'm excited about firms that are, and I think back to your point, Mark, about scale, this is a scale advantage point where when you have scale, you can build up these teams and have these reservoirs of, of expertise that you can apply uh, against clients to to match up the right skills with with the client needs. Yeah, so I, I like that the you know the the reservoir of uh, of vantage points and uh, and experience so that you can tap into the right person at the right time. I think recruiting talent is such a, a huge issue for for the industry both in the US and Australia. You made a really interesting point around having a differentiated experience might help us attract different talent um, because, you know, ultimately we only attract a certain individual if our proposition 
uh, or our value promise is around investing, right? You're attracting a certain type of individual. Um, how important do you think it is to um, to the industry, to the to the to the um, I guess attraction of new talent to have a proposition that is more around a values based, a best life type approach, and and what what sort of impact do you think that will have on the type of people that will see enter this industry? Yeah, without a doubt. Um... The appeal has just been very narrow. I think there's nothing but but positives in the sense of broadening that out where people look and say, wow, you know, being in this profession in these types of roles, I can have the, the freedom to connect with clients on other types of things. I'm, I'm very heavily focused around longevity planning, um, other types of silver care, there, you know, pe- people, whether it's, you know, whatever age range, but pe- people are really getting squeezed as caretakers um, or people living in, um, you know, in quote unquote retirement. They have all kinds of other issues. And there's nobody that's really set up to help them navigate all those issues. So I think that as, as an advisor, if I know I have the ability and I've got the capabilities and the support to, getting more involved and help clients with other aspects of their life that in some way, obviously connect to finances, money. Um, but when you think about all those things, you know, where am I going to live? How am I going to, how, how can you as an advisor share your knowledge to help me anticipate and expect what folks like me and my cohort, the issues I'm going to have over time, anticipate those and make better decisions before they become problems. So I think that's an attractive value prop to, to more people than, than folks that are just portfolio management centric. Um, and don't get me wrong. We, we, we need people that, that are moving the needle on better portfolio management solutions from a tax standpoint. Um, a lot of interesting things going on with direct indexing, custom indexing. So I'm a fan of all that. There's, there's ways to improve how we're delivering those, um, I just think the bigger gap is is around what we're talking about. And you use the word differentiation, Mark. I think that is a huge one. All if you look at the websites or, or do you know secret shopping with with different wealth management firms, everyone sounds the same. Everyone's saying the exact same things in terms of personalization, planning, advice. Everyone sounds exactly the same these days. The difference is is execution and the support and the resources. So as a firm, when I think about recruiting advisors, um, uh, even M&A, M&A is ex- extremely competitive. It, it goes beyond just who's going who's gonna, to uh, give me the highest valuation. Who am I going to become a part of that is going to help me up my game and give me something that is different than, than the firm down the street? Uh, that's a really interesting point, right? So um, getting a, a value proposition around this sort of um, in-depth personalized experience, um, you're right. Everyone's sort of saying that I'm personalized. I'll get to know you. Um, the first thing that we'll do is understand your goals. But the difference in great businesses is those that execute, line everything up to your point, from a technology perspective, from a people perspective, from an org structure perspective. Um, and I, I, I like the lens there. It's an interesting um, point to make that that's not only 
attractive for recruiting advisors or bringing on clients, but in a in an M and A type scenario where you're looking to purchase a business uh, and bring them on, um, that's now becoming a bit more of a decision point for the person being purchased, right? Absolutely, and and back to good business, it's it's organic growth. What's going to drive sustainable organic growth? Most firms, the the the, the market. The long, you know, recent volatility notwithstanding, the long-term bull market has masked a lot of, of woes. <laughs> when you dig into the numbers, as I have, it's the market has made up the vast majority of growth for, for most advisory firms or true organic growth. When you strip out market, when you strip out M&A and tuck-ins and lift-outs, all that stuff, it's low single digits for the average firm are there exceptions absolutely uh, but for for that to be let's call it in the three percent range that means there's a whole lot of firms that that's the the mean are that are negative <laughs> and then there's going to be outliers but that's that's the average that's not very good that 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 that's that's why the you know, MA valuations for me it's on this house of cards which is organic growth. They, they will not be sustainable if, as an industry, we aren't bringing new people into the fold, serving more clients. And to do that, you need to do the things that we're talking about. You need to have scale. Um, you need to leverage technology to a much greater degree, both to, to build the top of the funnel, to bring a client or a prospect through a process, onboard them, and then manage them over time. And that, 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 that's the art and the science that I spend a lot of my consulting time on is, is how do you be, build that connection, stay in touch, in tune with your clients, but you can't, you, you could easily, if you don't have the right tools and the processes, you could spend all your time on, on 25 families and it's hard to, to run a business that way. So you have to be able to push that needle up in terms of who you, how many people you can serve effectively. Yeah, and this probably leans into one of the other buzz buzzwords of the year um, around hyper personalization, right? So there's a, always that conflict between I want to be hyper personalized so that I can demonstrate to a client, and, and I like how you put it before, right? Clients are, are looking to us to help them anticipate them, prove that we know people like them, right? So the conflict for a business is I want to do that. And to do that, I need time or I need data or I need information. I need to demonstrate my subject matter expertise to them. But to do that and stay in business, I need to do that over 50 clients, 100 clients, whatever the number is based on your pricing model. Um, how, do you, how do you see that with, with the businesses that you work with? How, how do people manage that? natural tension point between hyper-personalization and, and, you know, commerciality? Not very well. <laughs> to, to be honest, the, the capabilities are ahead of the adoption. When you think about CRMs, planning tools, all the, all the data that we, we have access to, um, marketing automation, the, the, if you look at the top growers, those are the firms that are mastering those capabilities and they're creating systems and a, and a 
a flywheel effect um, that that builds on itself. You have to to put in the time to when you're bringing these capabilities on or trying to optimize them to really think about that entire client journey and how are we using technology um, more more effectively and efficiently to um, personalize content. I don't think there's enough focus on capturing information that about things that that you know causes um, experiences different financial goals that go beyond the portfolio let's say and how do we as an advisor wouldn't it be great if I could create more of an automated service to deliver meaningful content to them and that might then trigger oh yeah this is something I want to spend more time on or this is something I want to invest in uh, in a more meaningful way, that could be physical health, that could be a trip, that could be some personal growth area. If I'm an advisor bringing those ideas to my client based on the things that I do know about them, I'm adding so much more value, but you have to be able to to scale that. And there's some neat technology out there that kind of lives at this intersection of data, um, client data, external data marketing to be able to do that at, at, with with more automation so um i think there's a, a term you used in there that uh, i'm always i think i've said it on a podcast before i'm a, I'm a sucker for and that's the client journey that end-to-end -end client journey and you've mentioned it a few times uh, assessing that end-to-end -end client journey assessing how tech plays a role in it um you mentioned you, you've seen some cool ways that people are looking at that end-to-end -end client journey, plugging tech in. What are you seeing out there, given your breadth of experience around how people are thinking about that end-to-end -end experience um, and uh, and implementing technology to achieve hyper-personalization at scale? I mean, if I could if I could throw another buzzword in, I could, but I think that's that's bingo. <laughs> bingo. Um, there, there's some things what I I would call CRM overlays that are looking through the data using machine learning maybe ai that that's a, that, i don't know if we use that buzzword yet did we talk ai no no well done we'll start a new bingo card <laughs> so however however exactly it's done it's not frankly it doesn't require real ai but ways to mine the data and create um marketing so whether it's age-based life events other types of, of you know especially life events um to trigger those those flows that either can just be done automated back you know out to to a client or pushed to an advisor where they can then decide exactly how they want to convey that that to the client um you know that that's there's so there's to me that's low-hanging fruit um and it's it's meaningful because a lot of a lot of clients just are not getting that proactive um those insights those experiences where beyond the emotional and actually i, I wanted to touch on this be, before be, beyond the motion emotional connection i want to be able to deliver insights where the client or the prospect let's say has the reaction 
wow, Mark, I never thought of that before. I think that 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 for me should be the the mantra for firms as they think about client experiences, um, how they're getting to know their clients, how they're bringing to bear insights that they have to elicit that response. I never thought of that before, or I didn't know that. That's yeah. Maybe on one hand, you got the emotional connection where you're bringing tears might be involved. I hear this from a lot of advisors doing great work where you know there there are tears. They go to a place where they're making that that deep connection, bringing up issues that clients may never have talked about with anybody before. Um, really meaningful things that unlock um, you know just a great avenue for for ongoing conversations, but then also more the, the rational side of, I never thought of that before. And to do that, you have to know, you have to have the insights and expertise, but then you also have to match that to the right client at the right time based on what you know about them. And, and there's no substitute for experience, right? When I talk about knowing you and your cohort and having been through this, and I can say, hey, the odds are over the next five years, you're going to be thinking about these things and having to make these decisions. Let's get ahead of that. Let's get ahead of that and start to make plans. So you're not caught off guards and you're making some kind of a last minute panic decision. Um, it can really optimize what, what your possibilities are. Yeah. And you, um, you mentioned a the flywheel effect but before, you know, for, for firms that are going on this journey to, to go into hyper-personalization and, and a values-based type experience, you're only going to feel that hyper-personalization the more and more you have those conversations, store the data that you hear from your, your clients in your CRM or your you know, advice platform, whatever you're using, uh, hopefully it's Lumiant, um, and, you know, starting to create that data set of the community of like-minded people and similar type demographics to go, right. okay, people like you typically, as I've had these conversations, feel like this, are planning for that. Um, this is what they're looking to do. Right. And it starts to become self-serving, I guess, you know, you, but you've just got to take that first step for, for lack of a better term. You just use the term of community. And, and I love that. I think that is back to scale personalization firms that have the scale and the 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 means and the and the, the tools to create that community and and support it um i think that that's one of the fringe benefits or, or silver linings of of covid and, and this whole digital world we live in where we're not geographically bound we've got much more of an ability to connect like-minded people in similar situations and I'm talking about even, you know, as far as, as events, whatever you want to call it, but where you're bringing people together to share, oh, yeah, I'm in the same place as you, and I'm thinking about this, what are you doing? And if you're an advisor that's in the middle of that, facilitating that, again, just enormous value to your clients and you as an advisor, if you're paying attention, you're going you're gonna to glean so much from those, those opportunities that just can help you even more. Yeah, I mean, as you put it, it's just good business, right? Um, you know, 
uh, you're doing great things by your client and in turn, your business should be receiving great value as well. Gavin, we've had such a a broad ranging conversation today and and one that, um, you know, we've covered all sorts of topics from hyper-personalization to how you get scale. There's some great little nuggets in there around um, how you need to align your tech to your promise, um, spend the time to adopt your tech so that it's not being lazy for lack of a better term. You're actually getting the value out of it uh, so that you can turn up confidently to your clients. The fact that having a differentiated proposition around this will not only help you uh, create value in your business, but if you're looking down M&A can help, uh, you know, expand your market around M&A. If you're looking at recruiting can attract you know, a different type of advisor for you, which can only be a good thing for your business and let alone the macro effects for the entire industry of having a more diverse population. You know, we, we've covered all those topics plus more. So, you know, our, our audience is going to be extremely grateful for the tips you've given us. If we could ask you for one more tip, Gavin, maybe one succinct um, tip that maybe sums it up. If I'm, if you're talking to me and I'm a, you know, an RIA um, or, or, you know, even a, a bigger sort of business thinking about implementing a differentiated values-based advice experience, what would be that tip that you would give me to, to either get started or stick with it? Wow. One thing that's hard for me. Um, I think I'd go back to client journey for, for me, the process always starts there. What, what is, who, who are you serving? And one, one buzzword, Mark, we didn't talk about was was niching or niching, however you pronounce it. I'm learning and, niche. Yes, I'm learning to, to pronounce it niche as opposed to niche. Uh, niches to riches. So it, it, that pronunciation has that going for it. Um, but you know, the, the more specific you can be in who you serve, what makes them tick, the better opportunity you have to, to really architect a journey um and and have a process let that inform your tech because a lot of times i see rias get enamored you know shiny object syndrome this looks really cool let's turn this thing on let's let's you know bring on this new thing and it never goes anywhere because it's not part of the journey they haven't mapped it out and thought about from an internal front, middle, back office standpoint, from a client engagement standpoint, how does this fit? And is it, is it authentic in terms of how I want to run my practice and run my how, how I'm engaging clients, not just up front, but ongoing? Um, to that point, I'm going to cheat and kind of build a, a 1A, 1B. One area I'd focus on more than anything because the dividends are forever is thinking about onboarding as this process in and of itself. The the onboarding, the goal is not to get the account open. Onboarding is what could be, let's call it, it could be a three-month process, could be thought of even in in a first-year experience where you're so thoughtful and methodical about how you're staging that experience where you're now a partner for life. It, it just, they never had anything like that in this business. You understand them. They understand themselves better. They're, they've got a, a way to engage with you 
con connecting this way in person digitally that it's all aligned and they it helps them lead their best life <laughs> not just later but but right now i'll leave it at that gavin it's um it's a great note to end on uh, on behalf of the entire Lumion audience, thank you so much for spending your time with us and sharing your vast experience, the insights that you glean from all the work that you do across a vast array of advice businesses. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will get plenty out of our chat today. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Mark. I really enjoyed it.